3: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show Podcast, Hour 3.
1: Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425 should you wish to be on the program. I am happy to have you. Y'all, I've got to talk about the Joe Biden interview from last night. Um, Wow. He gave an interview to 60 Minutes. And he said some interesting things, one of which is this. Sir, are you committed
3: to running again? Or are there certain conditions that have to be right? Look, if I were to say to you,
2: I'm running again, all of a sudden, a whole range of things come into play that I have uh, requirements I have to change and move and do.
3: In terms of election laws. In
2: terms of election laws. And it's much too early to make that kind of decision. I'm a great respecter of fate. And so what I'm doing is I'm doing my job. I'm going to do that job. And within the time frame that makes sense, after this next election cycle here, going into next year, make a judgment on what to do.
3: You say that it's much too early to make that decision. I take it the decision has not been made in your own head.
2: Look, my intention, as I said, to begin with is that I would run again. But it's just an intention. But is it a firm decision that I run again? That remains to be seen.
1: Ah, uh, right, right. He hasn't made the decision. Oh, the decision's gonna be made for him when the election uh, goes poorly. Now, a couple more things that he said, and we'll get to the heart of it. Uh, here's this on the economy. Sir, with the Federal
3: Reserve rapidly raising interest rates, what can you do to prevent a recession?
2: Continue to grow the economy. And we're growing the economy, it's growing in, in a way that hasn't in years and years. How so? We're growing entire new industries, we're 695, I think it is, or 85,000 new manufacturing jobs just since i become president of the United States. Continue to grow the economy and continue to give hardworking people a break in terms of we pay the highest drug prices in the world of any industrialized nation. Making sure that Medicare can negotiate down those prices. By the way, we've also reduced the debt. We reduced the deficit by three hundred and fifty billion dollars my first year. This year it's gonna be over a trillion five hundred billion dollars reduced the debt. So to continue to put people in a position to be able to make a decent living and grow and grow and increase their capacity
1: to grow. Um The deficit has come down, had more to do with the economy than anything Congress actually did, uh, other than kind of rig the numbers. Now, I'm I'm playing these bits of audio because I want you to hear them in context before I actually get into them. This is the one that stirred up a lot of people.
2: We agree with what we signed on to a long time ago. And that there's a one-China policy, and Taiwan makes their own judgments about their independence we are not moving we're not encouraging them being independent we're not
3: let that's their decision but would US forces defend the island yes if in fact there was an unprecedented attack after our interview a White House official told us US policy has not changed (laughs) officially the US will not say whether American forces would defend Taiwan but the commander-in-chief had a view of his own so unlike Ukraine, to be clear, sir, U.S. forces, U.S. men and women would defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion.
1: Yes. Really? All right. I got to stop there real quick. Um, Do you, American mom, do you, American dad, want to send your children off to be vaporized by Chinese nukes on the island of Taiwan? Do you? I mean, I get it in principle. I do, actually, and I support it in principle. We should be defending Taiwan because China has an expansive, aggressive um, desire to expand globally, to become the global superpower, to displace us on the world stage. And so we should be defending free-loving people around the world. In theory, in principle, yes. In practice, are you going to send your child to die on a beach in Taiwan when the Chinese invade in the next year? I mean, I don't want to be crass about it, but that's the reality here. Joe Biden says yes. Joe Biden says yes. Joe Biden says uh, you're going to do it now. Compare that to what's happening in Ukraine. The Democrats want to spend twelve billion more dollars on Ukraine and I support it. I do. I think the Russians and the Chinese together are becoming a geopolitical threat to our national security. And if we can destabilize the Russians in Ukraine without us sending our soldiers there, we should. And the way we're spending that money, that $12 billion is actually a a lease program. We're not actually sending $12 billion as a gift to Ukraine. They pay us back with interest. So we're actually, we, we increase our dominant position in Ukraine. I think that's a good thing. Why not? But he's not saying that with Taiwan. He's not saying we'll send them arms. He's saying we'll send our soldiers there to die. Uh, that is not official U.S. policy. It's never been U.S. policy, except it is now official U.S. policy because the commander-in-chief of the United States military says so. Well, and then, of course, I got to play you the the hot button part of it, the 60 Minutes interview.
3: Mr. President, as you know, last Tuesday, the annual inflation rate came in at 8.3%. The stock market nosedived. People are shocked by their grocery bills. What can you do better and faster? Well,
2: first of all, let's put this in perspective. It has just barely, it's been basically even. And in the meantime, we created all these jobs and prices have gone up, but they've come down for energy. The fact is that we've created 10 million new jobs since we came to office. We're in a situation where the unemployment rate is about 3.7%, one of the lowest in history. We're in a situation where manufacturing is coming back to the United States in a big way. And look down the road, we have, Massive investments being made in computer chips and, and employment, so I look, this is a process. This is a process.
1: This is a process, he said. This is a process. Uh, the key segment here, let's hold down on this, it should be in every Republican ad. If you subscribe to the show notes, email, you saw it in video form, uh, it was put all over Twitter by Republicans, it should show up in their ads. Well, first of all, let's put this in perspective. Okay, I got to talk to you about this one because this is the democratic spin. With the Democrats now, they really do think they can control the language, and by controlling the language, they can control the debate. It's uh, an indicator that we are in postmodern times where whoever controls the language wins. It's very animal house or animal farm, not animal, kind of animal house with people running the shop at the White House, but animal farm. By saying inflation has only gone up by an inch in his 60 Minutes interview, it's it's gone up from 8.2 to 8.3, so it's only gone up a tenth of a point, it's still over 8%, and they're choosing to ignore that, and that was not the case before Joe Biden became president. What Joe Biden is attempting to do is redefine the parameters of the debate. We have always used the annual inflation rate as a more accurate benchmark for how people are impacted by the economy. Joe Biden has decided, no, we're just going to look month to month now. And it was zero from June to July, and then it was a tenth of a point up for August. Therefore, it's really not going anywhere. The problem here is that it's gone up a great deal. It's gone up over 8% in a year that means your prices are up for the president of the united states to be dismissive of inflation and say it's gone up an inch is really really a sign of how out of touch he is. It is his Marie Antoinette moment. I have talked about how his administration has been out of touch this whole time. You had the Secretary of Energy and the Secretary of Transportation essentially tell the poorers, you poorers, go get a battery powered car. That'll save you some money. Stop complaining about gas. Go buy a Tesla and you'll be fine. We're running on sunshine. You can too, you Poor's. And now here comes Joe Biden, he's like, oh, you poor people and your inflation, it's only gone up about an inch. I mean, it's not that bad. You've been used to it for a year now. Meanwhile, people are struggling to pay their bills and buy groceries and put gas in their car and send their kids to school and do everything else. It's absurd that he's that dismissive of inflation. It's absurd this president, the president of the United States to Scott Pelley on CBS of 60 Minutes would be dismissive of inflation. You're acting like it just happened. It's been here for a while. Yes, during your administration, Mr. President, not during the last guy's administration. You may not like Donald Trump, but we were not experiencing 8% inflation under Donald Trump. For the president to be that dismissive of it, to claim that it's really no big deal, that it's only up an inch, by that he means a 10th of a percentage point from last month, when it still puts it over 8% for a year, year over year. That's not the message the Democrats really want headed into the midterms. It's not the message they want to be selling and yet that's the message Joe Biden put out last night. First, your kids are gonna go to war in China, and die on the beaches of Taiwan to defend that island. And then you yourself here at home, you poor people, who cares about your inflation? I mean, it's only up a tenth of a point. It's not like it's suddenly spiked. I mean, who cares about your conditions? These really aren't winning messages for the Democrats. And that's what the president's doing. Now I'm struck by something here. Remember the president months ago now, he was giving a speech and he said he had cancer. And the White House was like, ah, no, he, missed, but he, doesn't, he doesn't have cancer. That's just the dementia talking. No big deal. That's kind of what they're doing on all of this stuff, too. Ah, it's, it's, he, no, he didn't mean to downplay inflation. It's just, it's just he's an old man. He was tired. I didn't really mean to say we're going to go to war with China. It's just the dementia talking, kind of like with the cancer. This this is not a good way to represent the president of the United States. I realize he's traveling. He's tired. He's jet lagged. He's going to a funeral in, in Great Britain. But to say these things on 60 Minutes, coming after a football game where people were watching the president of the United States be dismissive of their concerns about inflation, and tell them their children who are in the military are going to go fight China. Not a good look for the Democrats headed into the midterms. Listen to this audio from NBC News. And if you've already started shopping, you know prices are still sky high. Latest inflation report, worse than expected. So, of course, budget's a little on the tight side.
2: Well, NBC News Senior Consumer
4: Investigative Correspondent Vicky Wynn is here to help make those holiday wishes and dreams come true.
1: <laughs> <I mean, laughs> Good my morning, best. Vicky. Good morning. Okay, so what are the big concerns going into this holiday season? Last year it was all about, you know, lack of supply, shipping delays. What's the concern
4: this year? You're 100% right, Dylan. Remember last year, all we were talking about is all that stuff stuck on the dock, mm-hmm. stuck in those containers. not making it onshore. Well, this year it's all about inflation. As you mentioned, Al, uh, Rate did a survey found 40 percent of people said they're absolutely factoring inflation into their holiday budgets. Another survey found 73 percent said they're taking a very close look at their budgets this year compared to last year. Hmm.
2: Can't talk Christmas without talking toys. What, yeah. do, what do folks need to know about toy shopping this year in particular?
4: Santa and his elves are going to have to work overtime. Toy Insider is saying that you should budget about 15% more for your toy oh, wow. this year because of inflation.
1: Yeah, Christmas is going to be more expensive for folks this year. Thanks, Joe Biden. But hey, folks, it's only gone up an inch. This other program is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan Nationwide. They want to help your business grow. Reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com, firstlibertyga.com. Uh, tell them I sent you. If you need big deals, $750,000 or up for your business. They might be able to get you to yes, where banks are saying no. Uh, here, So the National Grid in the UK has just released this. This is kind of remarkable to show you uh, just kind of what was going on here. Um, As Queen Elizabeth II's funeral began, people stopped what they were doing, turned off other appliances, turned on their televisions, which are more efficient than their big appliances, or they went outside to join crowds watching large projectors. There was a two gigawatt power drop during the funeral. A two gigawatt power drop. In other words, 200 million light bulbs. Were turned off. Two hundred million light bulbs. Uh, a lot of people. They had in squares around the UK. Television set up so people could mourn together and watch it. And a lot of people participated all over the all over the UK. Uh, two gigawatt power drop. Two hundred million light bulbs being turned off all at once. <laughs> Greta Thunberg plots. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. All right. We got to move on to other stuff. Um, I do want to get into some of the, the actual polling that's out there, but uh, this is this is kind of a remarkable story in and of itself. I didn't even know this. Have you heard about the Parent PLUS loan? At a time that Joe Biden wants to bail out people's loans, which may he may have undermined himself. So in a 60 Minutes interview last night, Joe Biden said that uh, the pandemic is over. If the pandemic is over, as President Biden told Scott Pelley in CBS's 60 Minutes last night, then his emergency powers expire, and we are not in a state of emergency. The state of emergency was premised on the pandemic, and if the pandemic is over, according to the president, then the emergency powers go away, and if the emergency powers go away, then his student loan bailout is unconstitutional. He can't do it at all. I mean, he said on television— Last night, the pandemic's over. Well, then his emergency powers don't apply. Therefore, his student loan bailout premised on the pandemic to be in a state of emergency, they, that all collapses. He was essentially declaring it unconstitutional. Well, remarkably, the New York Times has a story out, and I'm, I'm kind of stunned by it. Ron Lieber has this. You can borrow the entire cost, minus any other aid your child receives, through something called a Parent PLUS loan. Your income doesn't matter. As long as you don't have one of a handful of black marks in your recent credit history, you can borrow six figures, even if your take-home pay puts you below the federal poverty level. Don't take my word for it. The honest truth is that Congress created a subprime lending program Unintentionally, says Rachel Fishman of New America, left-leaning think tank. I absolutely hate them, says Beth Akers of the American Enterprise Institute, the right-leaning think tank. It's gone completely off the rails, says Justin Drager, the president of the National Association of Student Financial Aid Administrators. Most parents don't pay for college using this loan, but 3.6 million of them, with about $107 billion in outstanding debt, have. Within that group are a number of low-income black families at schools that have not given their kids enough help for scholarships. The moms and the dads are on the hook with this program that allows these loans, regardless of income, creating another subprime crisis and indebting parents for the rest of their lives to pay off their kids' education. Unreal that this sort of thing exists in America, and it does. It's not good. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Uh, should you wish to be in on the program? All right. I, I so just real quick, I, I wanna I wanna take your phone calls and we gotta talk about polling, but I'm I'm always fascinated by protocol. Uh diplomatic protocol. Do you know um that in the um what was it? The the war with Napoleon. It was a completely European war, but the protocols after Waterloo that resolved the war, the U.S. entered one of the protocols and agreed to one of the protocols. Though it was not a war with the United States and the protocol was on diplomacy and using French and English as diplomatic languages, particularly French. The U.S. acceded to that uh, as it wanted to be on the world stage one of the protocols addressed as well that was when world leaders at the time gathered, and this, by the way, has subsequently been changed, uh, they would be gathered, uh, monarchs, by length and duration of their reign, and then uh, the elected leaders by the length of their terms. One of the weird protocols that came out of the, the fighting with Napoleon. Well, after World War II, there was a problem, Hirohito, uh, the Emperor of Japan, uh, long-serving Emperor of Japan, who who reigned a very long time. After that, um, nobody wanted him to go first, so they rearranged the diplomatic protocols to to uh, basically be by age of monarchs um, at the time. Uh, Well, eh, there was a problem at Westminster Abbey. How do you arrange all this stuff? Well, the governor's general, who are the queen's representatives in her realms, they get seated after the royal family because they stand in for the monarch. Then the prime ministers of the realms get seated. So the commonwealth realms all get seated ahead of all the other world leaders. So the president of the United States was, was nine rows from the back in Westminster Abbey near the South Korean president because all the the, uh, royal territories and realms get seated first. And then royalty is seated ahead of elected people. So near the British royals were all of the European and Middle Eastern and global royals. The royals and the elected officials all had to come in buses. Some were given permission to to drive themselves, like Joe Biden came in his limo. The the German uh, chancellor came in his car and like, but most of them, including all of the Commonwealth heads, were packed into a bus on orders of their king. Justin Trudeau can't really argue when his king says you're going to ride the bus. And so he rode the bus. But so all the royals are packed together. There was a problem, however, and this is one that we here in this country don't much have to pay attention to, but I find it hilarious Uh, The king of Spain, Felipe, and his wife, uh, Letizia, he's king because his father abdicated. Now, his father was a hero to the Spanish for a long time because he essentially brought the monarchy back and ended uh, Franco's um, uh, control reinstated the monarch, made it democratic, but he descended into scandal over time, financial scandal, frauds, hiding money, multiple affairs. So he left into exile in Abu Dhabi. Yes, Abu Dhabi. And so his son is now on on the throne. Well, (laughs) um, because of the protocol of a British royal funeral, the king's and princes of countries have to sit together. So for the last decade, the King of Spain has gone out of his way to avoid being photographed with his father. There do not exist photos of the abdicated disgraced King of Spain and the current King of Spain being together in public since that abdication until today. The Earl Marshal of England Who's also the Duke of Norfolk, whose job is to preside over and, and direct these sorts of things, uh, made them sit together whether they wanted to or not. Uh, so they came separately, entered at different entrances, but were forced to sit together because of British royal protocol. <laughs> I realize, I know this is the nerdy little thing. None of you care. I find it hilarious. This poor guy is elevated to the throne because his dad is a dirt bag. Uh, he throws his dad out of the country, goes to Abu Dhabi, where he's doing God knows what, a voice for basically 10 years being photographed with his father. And then because of Queen Elizabeth's funeral, they're forced to sit next to each other. And of course, you're all, all the cameras before everything begins and they have to silence the shutters. Everybody taking pictures of this poor guy. I feel bad for him. And then Joe Biden is way in the back. And of course... The President of the United States showed up late to the funeral of Her Majesty. They were given a window of time to be present. President. He showed up 10 minutes late and had to wait for Knights of the Realm to enter the Abbey before he could go get a seat. All right, back to the phones we go. I'm going to go first to Gary. Gary, welcome to the show. How are you?
4: Hey, Eric. I hope you and your wife and family are doing good.
1: I appreciate no. man. Okay, I, I I won't distract you here. We're doing better, I will say that. We we, we got hit with COVID. I didn't, they did, but we're better. Okay, because when I'm
4: listening to you, I always hear about it and I always think about you guys. So.
1: Well, I appreciate it.
4: Yeah, my pleasure. Listen, there's two things I want to say, but one thing I want to say, but before that, what was the picture of Obama flirting with that blonde dignitary and the look that he got from Michelle? <laughs>
0: Remember that where
1: was that? Uh, Yeah, I remember. That. Well, I, I yeah, forget yeah, where boy. that was, but yes, that that was that was pretty funny. Where where his wife was kind of staring at him. <laughs> oh, look,
4: man, yeah. I, that was wonderful. And uh, anyways, well, my wife and I just got back. We went over to the shopping center, and we're in Flowery Branch. And lo and behold, four brand new, beautiful um, charging stations for electric cars, and it had. Uh, like a television in there. So they're having ads and stuff. And guess what was not there?
1: I bet a single vehicle.
4: Not a single vehicle. <laughs> of no, course. Not a single vehicle.
1: My goodness. You know? yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> yeah, they were beautiful, wow. though. I mean, they
4: were state of the art, I must say.
1: I'm what sure. Was charging
4: them? What was charging them? Wasn't that the uh, coal-fired plants?
1: Shh, you're not supposed to talk about that. You're not supposed to say that. Oh, sorry.
4: I, I know nobody listens to your show, so we're good.
1: Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> yeah, Gary, you know, so there's a Panera Bread near me, and they've got a, a Tesla charging station there, and there are, I think, six chargers there, and occasionally <laughs> I'll see a high-speed a, a Tesla there with the high-speed charger occasionally, but not often. Now, they used to have them in a different part of town, but more than one person got mugged while they were there, so they've moved them to the north end of town, uh, and so you can just go sit in the Panera Bread, which is literally in the same parking lot, so you don't have to worry about getting mugged in downtown uh, Macon. Uh, but uh, every once in a while, I'll see a Tesla. there. only Teslas use them, and so most often, they're completely empty, uh, and there's a high-speed charger in downtown Macon, and no one ever uses it. And it turns out, I figured out why the other day. They they put in the high-speed charger. And a buddy of mine was telling me, is it actually, is it that high speed? It still takes hours to charge up your car if you use it. So, uh, yeah, just because how, of the line. How
4: much can you get while you're having
1: lunch? Yeah, exactly. Tomorrow? I mean, you, you got to have lunch, dinner, and several drinks. And by then, you're not fit to get back in the car. <laughs> well, then you get a hotel room right there. Exactly. Brand new hotel in downtown Macon right by the charger. Coincidence? I think not. Thanks very much, Gary, for the phone call. I will tell you guys to, 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 to fill you guys in, and I haven't talked much about it. We were trying to figure out what was going on. Our oldest daughter got hit with a bug and they couldn't figure out what it was. And my wife as well has been miserable. Y'all, I'm I'm telling you, neither of them could get out of bed. So our school has an attendance policy. You can't miss 10 days in a semester, excused or unexcused. At 10 misses, at 10 absences, uh, you're done for the semester. You, you you don't, your grades don't count after that. You gotta do it all over again. And we're in the first quarter of the first semester and our kid has missed seven days of school. Now, thankfully the, the school is like, well, we, we do make exceptions to the policy and prolonged illness is one she hasn't been able to go to the bed today is her first day back at school in a week and a half and my wife finally i knew she was starting to feel better yesterday the weather was nice she got on her harley and followed my son and me we went to a barbecue place that's out in the middle of nowhere that we like to go to and it was her first time out of the house in two weeks other than me like if i went to pick up food she would get in the car and almost fall asleep in the car had no energy and finally, so the, the pediatrician, my daughter's doctor, said, well, maybe you both have mono. You, you, they both tested negative for COVID. They tested negative for other stuff. But the blood work showed they clearly had a virus of some kind. And my wife went to her doctor, and they said, this is COVID. We've seen a number of people. The nasal test shows negative, but it's COVID. And turns out my wife and my daughter got COVID. Now, we think my son might have had it. Because he said, this is when we went to Florida for my daughter's birthday, and we came home, we drove through the night to get home because he wasn't feeling good. He also failed the COVID test, but he said he felt as bad as and exactly like when he got the second round of the vaccine for COVID. Felt just that bad. And they thought it was a sinus infection, and they thought it was norovirus. There was one day I had a sore throat and sniffles. That's it. Uh, but I've never had fever. They all had fever. I've never had fever, nothing. Uh, I've been moving and going, and and nobody I've been in contact with has gotten it as far as I know. And and I don't know whether I got it or not, but they all seem to have gotten it. I think I've avoided it again uh, and just had the seasonal when, it gets, when the temperatures drop. I get that sore throat, runny nose sort of thing for a few days. I think that's what I got. I didn't get COVID, but they all did. And it has been – I have never seen them, either one of them, take as long as it's taken them to get over being sick. Um, and there you go. It looks like that's what it is. And thankfully, the school's got them want a good. Pro- get my daughter on a program to get her back. But I had to pull her off the volleyball team. It's like she can't come to practice. She's too sick to come to practice, even though she's recovered and she's got to catch up on her grades. They've only got a game left. I didn't feel bad doing that, but um, gosh. All right. Uh, more than you wanted to know. Let's go back to the phone, Cindy. You're going to be up next. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show, Cindy.
4: Thank you so much for taking my call. I've just got a real quick question. You were talking about how. This negative rhetoric going around this road stream that's going to um, cause violence. What can we do to stem the tide? I mean, Abrams was even on The View talking, and they were saying, Oh, it's a good thing you didn't concede last time your election was stolen from you. I mean, they're still spewing that. What are we supposed to do about the negativity
1: being I, conservative? So I, honest to goodness, actually believe it self corrects. Um, and the reason it self corrects is because. These people are going to have everyone tune out. Um, they've they've got to have an audience in order to make money. We see, for example, CNN's ratings have declined. MSNBC's ratings are in decline. Uh, the View's ratings are in decline. As they've moved to be so partisan and cater to the views of the left at the expense of everyone else, their, view, their, their viewership has declined. Uh, subscribers to the New York Times are down, subscribers to the Washington Post are down. As they cater to that specific worldview and only want to cover the news the left cares about and frame every news story in a way the left cares about, their revenue is collapsing. Now, they may be true believers, but they're going to go bankrupt. At some point, these people in the media have to either cover it accurately or go out of business. It will happen to all of them. It may take some time. And in the process, some things may go poorly for us as a nation, but it's going to have to happen. Uh, It will actually happen because they can't sustain it. There aren't enough progressives in the country to continue to focus. Look look at what's happening with with the new owners of CNN and the Discovery Channel. They have decided explicitly that there are there's so much programming skewed to the left they're missing the entirety of the right and because of that they're dropping a number of their programs that catered to people on the left understanding that by catering so much to the left they've precluded an entire market of centrist and right of center viewers and they're now trying to get those people back They've got to get those people back if they want to keep making money, and at the end of the day, this is why I think so many people in the media hate capitalism is because they know at the end of the day when their viewership and their readership collapses, they go out of business in a capitalist society, and we're on the verge of them doing that. One of the groups that's making it possible for this to happen and to fight the cause for the conservative movement is Patriot Mobile. Just by moving your cell phone coverage to Patriot Mobile, you contribute to the conservative movement because they take a portion of their profits and give it to the conservative movement. In fact, in school board races around the country, they're batting a 1,000. Every school board race they've gotten involved with at local level around the country, Patriot Mobile has helped the conservative win and beat a woke candidate. You can take your existing phone number there, you can get a new phone number from them. If you have an unlocked cell phone, you can take that to Patriot Mobile. If you if you need a new phone, you can get one from them. All you do is go to patriotmobile.com/slash eric. PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Or you can call them. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. They give you great discounts. If you're a veteran, first responder, a teacher, an NRA member, you get good discounts. If you need multiple lines for your house because you got kids who need cell phones and you're paying for them, they'll give you a discount for that as well. You can call them at 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation. And you get guaranteed great service wherever you are nationwide. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric or 972-PATRIOT. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I want to play you this uh, rather lengthy segment here. It's less than two minutes, but still more than we usually play from Shannon Bream with the head of the White House Council on Economic Advisors, because there's still a problem in store for the president and his team as we head to the midterms
0: of this. So let's look forward because it looks like employers are worried as well. These are some of the headlines on looking at employer freezes, hiring, uh, all these things. The Business Insider on Friday talks about the FedEx boss warning of a worldwide recession, closing stores, freezing hiring, mm. trimming hours, parking planes, Financial Times, Goldman Sachs plans to cut jobs because they say deal making is drying up. Amazon shrinks workforce by 100,000, hiring freezes, layoffs above the law says hiring freezes, stealth layoffs hit top 50 big big law firms. Yeah. So what are they seeing that the sure. White House doesn't, or are you guys just not willing to acknowledge it? No, first of all, we're very willing to acknowledge uh, any, we're very much a fact-based uh, economics team when it comes to all of this, but I have to give you facts on the other side of that coin, okay? Since this president got here, almost 10 million jobs created, an historical record. An unemployment rate close to a 50-year low, 3.7%. There are 18 states out there with unemployment at 3% or below. These are historical numbers. It's about the tightest labor market on record. Now, at the same time, we've been talking about inflationary pressures. We know that the Federal Reserve is in a hiking cycle to try to dampen those inflationary pressures as they should be. We know that's cooling off an overheated housing market. So these are all dynamics that are in play but in the background is one of the strongest labor markets uh, Americans have ever experienced and that is such a critical tailwind given all the other pressures you've mm-hmm. uh, just taken us through and both are true you have to keep both things in your head at the same time there are challenges in this economy and you have an administration with a president overseeing an economic team that is undertaking these challenges with, with a rigor that I as a, a a guy who's you know got got uh, 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 aging gray hair over here <laughs> (laughs) I've never seen uh, such uh, an aggressive pushback on these kinds of uh, economic challenges. Uh,
1: We got some aggressive pushback on economic challenges and you have more companies starting to announce their layoffs. FedEx is predicting a global recession. It says its shipping orders are already declining. FedEx and UPS tend to be harbingers of what's to come because... They, they they see shipping traffic. Uh, they see the declines. Home builders are starting to lower prices as home building sentiment falls for the ninth straight month. Stocks at the end of the day have slipped back into negative territory. The Dow is now down eleven. Earlier it was up uh, nine. The S and P is up a uh, points, not percent, but points. This is not a good sign as we head towards Wednesday when the Federal Reserve is going to raise interest rates to try to slow down the economy, um, slow down inflation. And what it's gonna do is it's gonna crash the economy as other world governments are crashing their economies, all to stop inflation. You know what inflation leads to? Bad things historically come from inflation, way more than Donald Trump attending rallies in Ohio and mouthing QAnon stuff. It's inflation that causes the authoritarians, it's gotta be brought under control.
0: See